Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode. This episode is going to be about ghosting. I'm going to be going into it like a specific explanation, a description of what ghosting actually means, like a proper definition. Um, And yeah, I'm going to be talking about what scenarios people do ghost in, why somebody would ghost, what's kind of like the psyche, the psychology behind that, why it hurts so much when people do ghost you and why often people who have been ghosted then have a tendency to go back when that ghost reappears out of thin air and then what you can do kind of like tools to kind of help you get over someone that has ghosted you. So that's basically what today is going to be about. Before we do that, just a quick little recap on my life. So I've started uni again. I'm back at it. I'm doing three subjects this semester. I think I told you guys about this earlier, but I'm doing three subjects and the subjects are um, clinical neuroscience, which is basically how to um, identify certain markers in the because basically when, when people try and diagnose a neurological illness or disorder you look at the symptoms so as far as like what that how that person is behaving or what they're not doing like if, is there a lack of sleep or is there a lack of communication or whatever you look at the symptoms but then ideally you want to bring neuroscience into it and look at the actual circuitry of the brain and up until now we've not really been able to bring much of the brain circuitry and the knowledge of that into diagnosing a disorder for many reasons a lot of the time you can't actually see what's going on in the brain until the person's dead depending where it is and if you can get a scan that can see all of that activity in the brain it's extremely expensive for the patient so we haven't had that like data to be able to do that so there still hasn't been like a true marriage of neuroscience and psychology when it comes to diagnosing disorders like that so basically this is where the field is trying to kind of lean towards um so that's clinical neuroscience how how to sort of diagnose conditions in people from a from a um, a physical, a physiological circuitry standpoint, not just from the symptoms. Then another subject that I'm doing is um, psychological or mental disorders in children and youth. So that's going to be so interesting because we're doing everything from like ADD, ADHD, any developmental disorders, autism, um, intellectual disabilities. So we'll be going into all of that and seeing how it manifests and where intervention can happen and where it can't. So that's really interesting. And then the last one, which is weirdly turned out to be my favorite lecture of the week, is actually research inquiry. This shit is fucking fascinating because it actually teaches you how to pull apart a study and see if it's actually a valid study or not. So a lot of the time you'll see all these like gimmicks on TV or especially on Instagram, especially when it comes to like, you know, devices to help you lose weight or devices that are going to you know, prevent you from getting cancer and all this shit. And you'll often see the three like main buzz phrases, which is like evidence-based or scientifically proven or statistically significant findings have shown that blah, blah, blah. These are all, you know, these things have made people and then news articles and the media just believe that if something says that it is scientifically proven or it is statistically significant that this population does better on this drug than the other population, people are just going to instantly think that that's like a really big difference and for sure it works. But the way studies are done and a lot of major, major studies that have been done on medication, on certain treatments for patients, cancer treatments, 
um, just like so many crazy, crazy things that have been done and then been published and how the way it's been published has been crazily skewed to kind of present something that it's not. Like this whole thing of like drinking, this thing came out about, I think it was drinking wine helps cure breast cancer and that actually came from a study where they were putting ethanol on certain cancerous cells in a petri dish right and because that was causing these cells to die they then gathered that oh well you know drinking alcohol must also be great for breast cancer which clearly means like there is absolutely no association whatsoever between those two statements but it's just been said and then what happens with that is mainstream media will be like yep cool we'll take that yep we'll make it even more dramatic and then we'll publish that and then the general public will believe it Fair enough, because that's what you're being told by these sources that seem reputable. So it's a really interesting subject because you start really digging deep and there's some studies that have come up. Because when you hear, in future, guys, if you're ever interested in like, oh, does that thing actually work? Um, Look up the study and if people are talking about something being statistically significant, the word significant in statistics does not mean what significant does in our everyday language. So for us, when we talk about significant, it also it means important. It means like something quite, you know, major or big. Significant in statistics means that there was something was found, even if it was literally a 5% difference between a group that was on drugs and a group that wasn't and only five percent the drugs worked five people in a hundred they can still publish that saying oh this is statistically significant and blah 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 anyway so it's gotten me really excited because it's getting me to understand more about how to read into how a study was done who were they doing the study on etc 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 so it's fucking interesting anyway okay before I was going to get into um the topic of ghosting, I thought my brain facts, I didn't do one the last two weeks, I don't think, so I thought I'd get back into that. I'm going to be talking about a um, about a disorder called bipolar disorder. So uh, often like we'll use that to, you know, talk about someone who's having mood swings or whatever, like that's like a colloquial, oh, yeah, she's being bipolar, he's being bipolar, whatever. Um, but I want to talk about what it actually means from a clinical diagnosis like the actual condition of having bipolar disorder which previously was known and and is sometimes still known as or sometimes still referred to as manic depression so that's basically where a patient fluctuates between depressive states and states of mania and these are like really dramatic shifts in emotions pretty much so you're going really really low and really really high and it can it can happen over the span of a day but usually these highs and lows last days and sometimes weeks and in some cases these um, fluctuations can even last months which is pretty crazy to think about so these are the common features if you're looking at the depressive state so the low feels like the same symptomatic it's it is the same symptomatic features as major depressive disorder or unipolar depression so basically unipolar depression is what well, unipolar is in there's one pole so one extreme so you fluctuate from being what you would consider to be normal mood to then down into this depressive state and then back up to that normal mood and down so that's what's called unipolar you've only got one extreme as opposed to bipolar where there's the two extremes the ups and the downs so when you have the the down states you're extremely unmotivated you lack drive to do anything your sleeping and eating is either way too low or way too high um, and you feel kind of this sense of hopelessness 
And then you've got the manic episodes. So in these episodes, you feel super energetic, happy, optimistic. You're really euphoric. You feel really, really good about yourself. Your self-esteem is great and you're excited about adventure. So it sounds good being in a manic state, but also there's a lot of kind of downsides to being in the manic state. There's two kinds of manic state. There's hypomanic, which is not as extreme and intense. And then there's manic, uh, which can even get to the extent where this this patient might be hospitalized to that point. So what they can do is they absolutely have no regard for any consequences over their actions. So often they're going to do really, really extreme things where they're not thinking about it. They're going to quit their job. They'll take all their money out of the bank account and invest it in some really crazy like scheme or they might go and gamble all their money or they might decide, oh, I'm going to sell this important thing that usually really matters to me and just go get on a plane and end up somewhere else. And so they can do quite drastic, dramatic things and there's no no fear of any consequence or repercussion. So that's what happens when you're in that kind of manic state. Now, when it comes to treatment, you can't really give them something like an antidepressant or a selective serotonin reuptake, in here, like an SSRI, which is like a Zoloft or uh, a Prozac, because that actually triggers people with mania. It triggers a manic episode. So while it would treat their depression, it's then potentially triggering a manic episode. So that's not ideal. So weirdly, um, and I was actually surprised to learn this at uni, but the most effective and still the oldest treatment currently is lithium salts. So this basically smooths out the highs and the lows and it gets, um, yeah, it, it's it's better at treating mania, but not as good as treating depression. So a lot of people are on antidepressants and lithium so that way it kind of evens out. So you can imagine it's really difficult for these people because it's rare that you're going to find someone that has nailed like the medication dose. But you can they can also be on anticonvulsants, benzodiazepines and all of, all of that. But they have like a lot of extreme side effects as well. Um, so when you look also, you can have psychological intervention as well. So seeing a psychiatrist um, and that actually doesn't help them when they're in their manic state, I feel, because that they're not really paying attention and their mind's not really present there. But when someone's not in a manic state, giving them psychological intervention is actually quite helpful because it helps them deal with stressful scenarios that normally may trigger a manic episode. So in a nutshell, that is what bipolar actually is. Um, so if you ever genuinely think, oh my God, that person's bipolar, does it kind of fit a similar criteria to that? If not, then probably you're just diagnosing them with quite a dramatic diagnosis that they probably don't have. Anyway, let's get straight into it. Let's get into ghosting. Okay, so the first thing I want to do before I go into ghosting is I want to explain what ghosting is not. Okay, so I'm going to give you a few scenarios and this is not ghosting. So say you have broken up with somebody and that person tells you, I really need some space. I don't want to be communicating anymore. I want to cut contact. But you still kind of message and try and call and message and they say, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then all of the blue, out of the blue, it seems to you, one day they just stop communicating. That's not ghosting. They have told you at least once that they want to sever communication. If you don't listen to that, that's on you, not on them. So if they make it clear that they want to cut communication and then no matter how many times you call and say, they don't answer you, that's not ghosting. Another time, it is not when someone's being, so say 
um, if you're in a situation where you've been messaging someone and they are being extremely rude and inappropriate and making you feel uncomfortable, prime example of this is on dating apps or on Instagram when you haven't actually met them in person. It can be with someone you've met in person, but let's say most of the time you haven't met them in person and instantly they kind of slide with, with these really inappropriate messages making you feel quite uncomfortable. It doesn't matter what you've said to them in the past. It is completely fine and not ghosting if you decide to completely cease all contact with them if they they are being rude, inappropriate and treating you like an object. That is also not ghosting, okay? And then it is not after a breakup has occurred and your way of healing after the breakup is like establishing to cut all ties. If someone's, for example, a lot of people say, oh my God, I was with my partner for ages and then they dumped me, they ghosted me. It's like, well, did they ghost you or did they dump you? Because if they dumped you, then they didn't ghost you right? Because if they had the time to say, look, it's over, it's done, whatever, I don't want to communicate. And then they disappear into thin air. That's not ghosting because they told you that it was over. They gave you, like, they let you know that it was over. Whether they give you a reason or not, it's irrelevant. They've told you that it's over. Okay. So that is not ghosting. Ghosting. What is it? Ghosting is when someone does a disappearing act on somebody else. Like you have no idea that it's coming. They blindside you. You do not see this coming and they vanish into thin air. And then there's a few kinds of ghosting because there's, you know, people that vanish and that's it. You never hear or see them again. Or there could be like orbital ghosting, which is where they ghost you, disappear, come back, ghost you again, disappear, come back. And that kind of repetitive behavior with that same person again and again and again. So basically, in a nutshell, it's when someone cuts off all communication in a relationship without warning or explanation. Now, this is often in romantic scenarios, and most of my examples today are going to be based around romantic scenarios. Uh, But a lot of the things that I talk about can also be used for when you've been ghosted by a friend. And I am going to be answering some questions at the end of the episode that people sent in because I put up a question box on my Instagram and I got a lot of questions and a lot of them were very, very similar. So it was good to see some common themes that I would be able to answer for you guys. Okay, so... I'm going to break down the three levels of ghosting. So there's mild, moderate, and heavy. Um, And then I'm going to be, then how I'm going to break it down is why people ghost, warning signs that someone might be doing this to you, why it hurts so much, and what we can do about it. And then I'm going to answer a few of your questions. Okay, so let's go through the different levels if you want to call it, of ghosting. So we've got mild ghosting. That is when you've commenced communication with somebody. You don't really know each other that well. So more than likely, it's something that's on um, a social media or an app that you've met them. It can be where you've met them out maybe and in the moment of like, oh, I'm feeling you know bold, I'll just give them my number. But that level where you actually don't really have that much of a relationship going on. Um, and there's a tiny bit of back and forth and then they vanish. They never open the messages or they don't officially say that they no, no longer want to talk to you. That is mild ghosting. So it's still, they should have given you a reason possibly, but that's mild ghosting. Moderate ghosting is when you've actually met this person in person and if it's a long distance relationship where you've probably like skyped or facetimed or had something that made it a more solid connection than just a random message back and forth so you've actually met this person um you formed a a connection of some sort with them and you've been communicating on more than just a sporadic level so probably daily or every couple of days but there's some sort of consistency to it and then they vanish into thin air so that's really confusing for the victim and they're 
because it feels like they're totally avoiding you and they can leave you feeling quite hurt and confused because you feel like we had something going. Um, you probably hooked up a few times, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but unlike the mild ghosting, you've not really invested a lot of your emotions into that. So this is like one level deeper. And then you've got heavy ghosting. And that is when you're in a more intense relationship. You've entered into a sexual relationship. You've been physically and emotionally vulnerable with that person. And then they vanish into thin air. So this is extremely toxic behavior. It's avoidance behavior at its worst. And it's due to some deep-seated issues from the ghoster. And I'm going to go into that. But that is basically what's going on there. I'm going to go into why people ghost, but this is quite toxic because you can genuinely feel that you're pretty much, if not dating this person, and then they absolutely disappear. Now, I'll give you an example for heavy ghosting if it's a friendship. If it was a close enough friendship that you would meet each other one-on-one without needing other people around um, and you would obviously communicate with some level of consistency, you'd be messaging, messaging each other or calling each other, that level of closeness, and then all of a sudden they stop responding and reaching out, um, that would be considered quite heavy ghosting. I also want to add in another form of ghosting, which is short-term or intermittent ghosting and some people call it orbital ghosting or orbiting ghosting there's a million different names but basically it's when people go back and forth with you in my opinion this is the worst kind of ghosting while it might feel like it's not the worst kind because when they come back you're then happy because you missed them and then they disappear but then they come back it is the worst in the sense that you then stay hooked into this person and you are literally in limbo because they're never going to want you as a proper relationship, but your attention is focused on them. So you're never going to make yourself available to some real connection outside of this weird dynamic that you've got going on with this ghoster. So that is why I say, in my opinion, it is the worst kind. Um, the good thing about someone that's hev a heavy ghoster, while it's awful and heartbreaking, they're fucking gone. See ya, au revoir, bonsoir. Whereas these guys keep coming back. So that's, that's why it's so much worse. So they're manipulating you. They're making you feel like less of who you are. They're making you feel that you're not worth their time. But because you're not getting answers, you keep going back to them for closure or getting trapped and you try and reach out to them and then they intermittently, randomly will message you back and you're like, oh my God, they message. And then you reply, they message back and then the next day, nothing, they're gone again. And then two weeks later, they're back in your life. This is very, very toxic because it leaves you feeling extremely uneasy, extremely unsure and curious. You don't have closure. You're not willing to close that door yourself. And so you're expecting it to come from them. And because they keep drip feeding you attention whenever they see fit, for you, that's enough to stay hooked into that relationship. Okay. And this is really, really common. Okay. So ghosting or the silent treatment is a form of emotional abuse. So get that clear in your head. It is a form of emotional abuse. It's extremely toxic because it is a way to let somebody know that in your eyes, they are not worth your time. So you are literally saying by ghosting somebody, you're saying, I don't give a flying fuck about how you're going to feel about the fact that I refuse, that I'm not responding, even though I led you to believe that we had a relationship. And then I'm just going to come back in because I want to just like use you like a toy. And then when I'm over it, I'm done. So they have no regard, no regard whatsoever for your emotions. I don't care what you say. I don't care if that person has had trauma in their past irrelevant. Trauma in someone's life does not give them the excuse to then inflict trauma on somebody else, okay? Ever. There's no excuse. So if somebody is treating you like shit and you're sitting there being like, oh, but they've had a tough life, then that's a fucking redundant 
argument and that is not going to fix the issue because they might have had a tough life and yes that is terrible for them and yes they should seek treatment and I hope they get better but that is still not your problem and you still are not responsible for being their rehabilitation center so get that out of your head that you should stay with people just because you feel bad because they've had a tough life be there for them as a friend if you want but you don't have to cop the shit that they also copped it's not fair Okay, so now I want to talk about why people ghost and the warning signs of how you can possibly predict that someone may be doing this. Um, Now, before, as usual, I'm going to ask you guys a huge favor to check in with yourself because if you are a ghoster, and I am answering questions of this a little bit later on, but if you are someone that ghosts, pay attention to what I'm saying because, you know, what's done is done. The past is the past. We're not here to slam anyone, but just understand what your actions are do to other people and how toxic that behavior is and then what people's opinion of you and their ability to trust you in the future becomes so if you are someone that ghosts just kind of check yourself pretty please okay let's do it why people ghost it can be one or all or some of the following things number one they're people who cannot deal with their own emotions they're terrified of sitting with their own emotions so because of that, they're going to avoid being vulnerable because they look at vulnerable vulnerability as something that's really kind of painful and difficult for them to do and something that they really can't handle any anyone being upset, any confrontation. So if they're no longer interested, which is obviously the case when somebody ghosts you, there's no way they're in love with you if they're ghosting you. But if they're not really interested for whatever reason, they're going to leave and disappear without a trace because they don't want to have to deal with anything that's going to represent conflict because for them, conflict is like a fight. It's an argument. They don't see it as, look, we can both have our differences and we can you know, either agree to disagree and at least understand each other. For them, that's like, no, nah, that represents a fight. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a part of that. I can't handle conflict, so I'm going to run away. Um, then there's other people that might be ghosting you because they're actually seeing someone else at that time this is super super common they're seeing someone else they're comfortable with that person they don't really want to leave that person but they're bored and they don't feel validated so they're insecure they don't feel validated in their relationship either because they're bored or that person whatever doesn't make them feel that way and so they go out on a fishing expedition throwing out all these lines and then seeing who bites and often you know people will you know whether it's on an app or whatever people will bite they feel really good about themselves and then when they're like satisfied and they feel that they don't really need to progress this any further because they're never planning on dumping their partner in the first place then they just ghost you there's no it's awkward for them to be like hey sorry look I don't want to talk if they ghost you to them it actually makes it less of a thing if they acknowledge that it was a thing, then they're probably going to think that it's a bigger deal and they're probably going to feel guilty and they're probably going to feel like they cheated. But if they make it look like they were just like messaging you or whatever, sliding in your day and then just disappear, to them, they can almost believe the lie that they're telling themselves, that it was fucking nothing. I can just walk away from this, so it mustn't be anything big. That's the lie they're telling themselves. And this is quite typical with a lot of cheaters, especially the people that do it online. There's a lot of people that will just slyly slide into everyone's DMs and they've got a partner. I've seen this happen a million times. Just, yeah, it's very common. Okay, another thing that they, why they could potentially be ghosting you, and this is a really common one, is that possibly they are someone that cannot be vulnerable. For whatever reason, often it's people that have quite intense insecurities that don't want to be vulnerable. Um, Whether they found it or not, that's not your problem, but they can't drop their guard. And because they don't want to drop their guard and because they don't, it's actually very easy for them to shut other people out. It's like a light switch in their head because vulnerability creates 
quite a deep bond with people. And without vulnerability, it's actually quite easy to walk away as the investment from their end is minimal. Your emotional investment might be big, but theirs wasn't. So for them, while it's awful for you, it's not reciprocated on their end. They're like, there's no emotion. It's fine. It's fine. Whether they're, you know, telling themselves or whether they believe it, it doesn't matter. But for them, they're like, oh, it was nothing. Like, I'm not in love. I don't feel this. They'll be fine. It's not a big deal. Bang, sever it. So there's a bunch of reasons why people might ghost you. A couple of things to look out for to see if someone is a ghoster is you want to pay attention to the kind of conversations that you're having. Are they repeatedly asking you similar questions? Like if, if you're in a relationship where it's often messaging and you don't see each other that often, like a mild or moderate ghosting situation, then a red flag would be if often they'll be like, hey, what are you doing? And then you reply with an answer and they'll be like, oh, cool, maybe I'll come. Often you see a kind of pattern of like how they throw the line, they get something back from you, they feel good. And then if they're in the mood, they'll see you. If they're not in the mood, they might just not bother to reply. So you might start seeing a pattern of how they're, they're um, messaging you. Another red flag is do they ever open up about anything? How guarded are they? Another red flag is how willing are they to bring you into their life? Now, a lot of these red flags are going to go for the mild to moderate. Unfortunately, for the intense version of being ghosted, there aren't many red flags that you can seek, that you can look out for because um, a lot of the time you're in an actual relationship and they might vanish and disappear. But the more they bring you into your world as far as meeting their friends, meeting their family. It's actually a lot harder for them to ghost you because they are now very aware, very aware that you are now kind of intertwined into their life relationship-wise. So it would be very, very, very weird and difficult for them to ghost you if then you could easily reach out to their friends and family and be like, hey, look, this has happened. Is this person okay? What happened? And then those friends and family would obviously go like come down on them like a ton of bricks being like, you fucking psychopath, why would you just block this person out if you if that makes sense to you so often they're going to try and avoid you know crossing blurring that line between you and then their other connections their close friends and family and things like that okay now let's talk about why it hurts so much so the brain interprets pain as physical pain as well so often when we're heartbroken it's kind of like the same signals are going off as physical pain and you're also on top of that you're feeling withdrawals because you get a drop in the neurotransmitters that you normally get when you feel you know in love with someone or where you've got like a lust for someone you've got like oxytocin serotonin dopamine all these reward drugs everything reward neurotransmitters i should say everything floating around your brain but then when these people disappear, there's a big drop. It's the same feeling as when you have a normal breakup, not just being ghosted. You're kind of going through that same emotion as a breakup. But then on top of that, you're getting all these feelings of abandonment, rejection, isolation, confusion. You're also made to feel like a fool, like as if you thought that there was something there and then for them there was nothing there. So you're feeling all of this and all that kind of builds into this kind of intense feelings of self self-doubt at the time because you're like how did I not see this coming was I a fool did I not was I not reading him right you start really doubting yourself you don't really know what's right what's wrong and then when all that because you're feeling this intense uncertainty that then triggers anxiety and then whenever you hear their name you feel really anxious because you're like this person could just easily have rejected me they can easily cut me out of their life and here I am feeling horrible so you're getting anxiety you're getting all these feelings on top of the feelings of like withdrawals because you miss them so it's kind of like a double sword this thing and it's pretty 
It's pretty awful when you get ghosted. And then the problem is, and this is kind of like a very intellectual like um, manipulation that the ghosters will do. If they are an, an orbiting ghoster or like a, a intermittent ghoster, those people that keep coming back in your life, they kind of have you how they want you in the vulnerable position where you need them because they've created all these feelings of self-doubt, um, uncertainty, abandonment. When they come back, whether you want to or not, they instantly represent a cure for all those feelings that you're feeling. So it's very common unless you're feeling extremely comfortable with who you are and your confidence is very high and you're feeling great and you weren't that scathed by it. Most people, when the ghost returns, most people will give them another chance because it represents an instant fix to how horrible you're feeling. And then you always want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You're like, well, they must have, I'll, you know, I'll, and the excuse you give yourself is I'll hear them out. I'm just going to hear them out. So you accept them back into your life. You try and kind of prod them for why they did it, but you don't really want to dig too deep because you don't want them to run away again. So you're kind of treading water and they've got you where they want you because they're like, not only do I have them crawling back to me, but I'm getting them to a point where they, where I hold all the power. I hold all the cards because if they prod me too much, I can just walk away. They know I'm capable of walking away. I've already shown them. Now I've come back and now they know that, that where, who holds the power and there's this really fucked up power play here and this shift, this dynamic shift where you no longer hold any power and they do. Now, some people that ghost, when they come back into your life, they gaslight you. So if you haven't heard the gaslighting podcast, then just go back and listen to it. But what they do is they pretty much almost put it on, maybe not put it on you, but they'll be like, oh, like they'll act like as if nothing happened. For them, it was not a big deal. They'll be like, I thought we were fine. Everything was fine. I was just busy. Or oh, I thought you needed space. Or last time I spoke to you, you just seemed really stressed. So I thought I'd need, you needed space. They would put it, they will put it on you often or they'll make it out to be like, wow, you're making this such a big deal when I didn't realize it was such a big deal. I thought we're fine. We're chill. You know, they will deny that anything major happened. No one ever wants to be actually labeled as the ghoster. They just want it to look like, oh, you know, we were just like, Chilling and then we weren't. It's not a big deal. What you need to be aware of though is no matter how innocent or appropriate you deem their reason to be, you need to understand that all of these reasons, whether you agree or don't agree, whatever, all these reasons that they give you are circulating around their wants and needs and they don't factor you into any of them. And that's never going to change. They are being 100% selfish. So no matter how much they enjoy your company, there's a massive difference between enjoying somebody's company and loving them. A huge difference. And you need to understand that just because they enjoy your company, it doesn't mean they love you and it doesn't mean they have your best interest at heart. Someone that's going to ghost you, is that is the best indication that they do not have your best interest at heart. Because if they did, and they didn't want to hang out with you, it would just take a hard but necessary conversation to have. And if they're not willing to do that, they only care about their wants and their needs. Make that clear in your head. There's no other possibility here. Unless they literally are stranded in the desert with no phone, there is no other possibility. Okay, so now we're going to go into what you can do about it. So I'm going to give you a couple of things to think about if someone has ghosted you, just to make it clear in your head if that's what's actually happened. Because um, often we'll feel like a victim in a situation, we won't be quick to jump to it. It's, oh, they've ghosted me. It may or not, may not be. So let's get clear on that. And then I'm going to answer some questions that were asked um, on my Instagram page. Okay, so I want you to ask yourself when, first of all, you want to ascertain if it is in fact ghosting. 
whenever possible, take ownership. And that way you can be clear that if it wasn't you, then you really know that you can let go of the situation. Because sometimes we may have done something to really offend or hurt someone, but we just don't take accountability for that. And that person might have felt really uncomfortable or hurt and walked away. If you can take ownership in a situation like that, then you take a, you, become, you get a lot of growth by reaching out and apologizing to that person, okay? If they have walked out of your life because you were being an asshole. But the good thing about doing this inventory and figuring out if you have any ownership or not is if you don't have any ownership whatsoever, then it is a lot easier to let go because you can really start to understand that this has completely got to do with issues in that person's head that you are not responsible for. So ask yourself, was there an argument to initiate this person leaving? Maybe... I said something that was beyond hurtful that to me wouldn't be, but maybe it was for them. So if the last contact you had was an argument, then maybe it's not so much ghosting. Maybe this person is just absolutely quite, you know, devastated or heartbroken or offended. That's a possibility. Next one. Was I toxic or attacking in any way? Did I make this person feel uncomfortable that they had to remove themselves from this situation and that even they were so uncomfortable that they felt that they even couldn't talk about it? Like, for example, if I was in a situation where someone was an absolute narcissist and made me feel awful and uncomfortable, the first thing I would do was remove myself from that situation. And once removed, I would then take the time to decide if that person deserves an explanation or not. But a lot of people, the first time they quickly back out, it's out of protection. So did someone need to protect themselves from you? If not, okay, next question. Have I tried to address an issue that I'm avoiding while putting the blame on them for ghosting? So maybe something happened and you're refusing to take ownership for it and that person's kind of backed out of your life, but you know the reason why have they, they've disappeared out of your life. Okay, now if that's not the case, if you've said no to all these things, then chances are that this is a legitimate ghosting situation and you need to, yeah, start to come to terms with the fact that there's no way that you can change this person and now you've got to change your perception on how you're going to deal with it moving forward because you don't want to keep accepting them every time they come back into your life because they're just going to keep treating you the same way. You need to get rid of these people and you cannot have them in your life. The more you care about that and the more you need closure, the longer you put off getting over them. Every time they come back into your life and you use the excuse of like, I just want to really get to the bottom of why they are doing this. You are kidding yourself because all you're doing is rehashing or reigniting this flame, this toxic flame. And then it's going to reignite and then you're going to really enjoy having them back in your life. And it's almost like a really bad drug, you know, so you know it's bad for you, but it feels good at the time. So you, it's just still worth it. Okay. That's what happens every time you let them in. It's a bad drug for you emotionally, but even chemically in the brain, your brain is responding. It's getting this high when they're in your life and these lows when they're not in your life. It's very um, emotional manipulation is what they're doing. So the only closure that you're going to need in this situation is that they have serious, serious issues that are not your problem with communicating and have an avoidant attachment style, neither of which has anything to do with you. If someone has an avoidant attachment style, I'm going to do a podcast on attachment styles. It's actually fucking interesting. And there's like four main ones and then some sub you know, styles, but it's really, really cool. But an avoidant attachment style is a very, very, very difficult um, person to date if they have that because they will be extremely insecure. They will avoid any emotion. They will avoid opening up to you and they will often be quite 
mean if you do try and get in because they're trying to push you away. So they always keep you at arm's length. And this normally stems from something that occurred in their past, either how they were raised or trauma. But again, not your problems. Do not think that you have to go and fix that person. That's not your responsibility. Next thing I want you to do is try not to harbor too much anger and just look at them as somebody who will never align with your morals. So naturally, you won't fully understand how their mind works anyway. If your morals don't align whatsoever, you don't have to seek to understand somebody for you to be able to get over it. You just have to understand that they are not, their mindset and their brain does not work the way yours does. What's normal and acceptable and respectable in your eyes might not be the same in their eyes. That's all you need to know. And the beauty of that is, do you even want to be with someone like that? Hopefully you don't, okay? Hopefully the answer is no. So so just always remind yourself that person, whether they mean to or not, is just looking out for themselves. And if we were to date, that would continue. They would only ever look after themselves. They only look after their own needs, their own wants, and they're probably not going to ever be good at communicating. They're going to always shut me out even if they don't ghost me and they're going to think that that's acceptable. Especially if I've accepted them back, their opinion of me is quite... That, that I'm a bit of a doormat, all right? Unfortunately, that's how it works. And most of these people, most of these ghosters, especially the, the, the ones that orbit, they are just fishing because they are insecure and they need somebody to make them feel validated, okay? They're not some player who's killing it. They're fucking insecure in their room, fishing, being like, please love me, please show me love. And then when you show them love, they're like, oh, I'm happy now. That's what they are. So they're not that hot. I'm sorry, but that's fucking unattractive as fuck in my opinion. Okay, now I'm going to quickly rattle off a whole bunch of questions. These questions have mainly just bunched into main questions. There were many similar ones and I've bunched them into the same kind of question, but there's a bunch of them, so I'll go quickly through them. All right, let's get started. Ghosting and still watching all your stories or liking your posts. So again, this is just prime example of them fishing. They've ghosted you, now they're unsure. This is like them testing the waters. They're unsure if you're going to accept them back or not. And they kind of enjoyed your attention and they enjoyed maybe your company. So their version, this is like mild fishing. This is them testing the waters, okay? So once they've ghosted you, they know that you're obviously they hurt, pissed off, whatever. So their first thing to do is to watch your stories. And they try and watch them quickly because they want you to notice their existence. And they're hoping that you then reach out to them first. Being like, oh, hey, I noticed you're watching my stories. A like is a little bit bigger than that. And then them just sliding into your DMs and messaging you is a big one. But that is just fishing again. So that's what it means. They are just trying to get you to notice them. All right? That's it. They don't like you. They're not in love with you. They're not, you know, that's not happening. If they actually were remorseful and gave a fuck, they would call you and give you a very heartfelt apology. If that doesn't happen, they are not into you. Okay, next. When they reach out and you reply and they leave you on red. Again, this is just phishing. They were only reaching out so they could feel validated. You've now validated them. They no longer need you. Unfortunately, that's the case. Now, next why I want someone more when I have been ghosted. This is because you're feeling those withdrawals and you want that person to validate you, not someone else, that person, because they're the ones that made you feel insecure and abandoned. So of course, you're going to seek for those emotions to be reversed by the person, by the culprit, the one that did it. When 
you kind of think, oh, well, that kind of makes sense, but it doesn't because you think if they're going to do it once, they're going to continue to do it again. But that's why you want them more once they've ghosted you because you feel like a lack and you feel that they're the ones that took something from you and they're the ones who only have the power to give it back. When in reality, you are actually the only person that has the power to give that back to you. All right, how to deal with a ghoster who wants back in your life. If they want back in your life in a romantic essence, do not go there. You can either never reply to them because once someone goes to you, this is the beauty of it. Once somebody ghosts you, you're entitled to never have to reply to anything ever again. If someone ghosts you, a ghoster cannot be ghosted, right? If they've ghosted you, you can never reply. You can leave them on red. You can, so you, you're completely entitled to do that. They set the standard. You're just, you know, choosing to, if they chose to walk out of your life, you're just choosing to maintain that as the status quo. Okay. Now, if you want them back in your life romantically, this is the wrong podcast to be listening to because my answer to that is don't. If you want them back in your life as a friend because you have mutual friends or whatever, then you you can do this, but you have to keep it super civil. Never allow the line to be recrossed. And a really good way of doing that is if they send you a message that's kind of going down that sexual path again on the floaty path, you leave them on red and then you can then pull them up on it when you see them again in person or you can reply straight away, I am not interested in this chat. Thank you very much. Whatever you want, but you've got to make it very clear that you will not interact for a second with any of their flirty or quote-unquote romantic shit. You'd never let that line be crossed and you need to shut it down the moment it does, okay? There's a very... very small percentage of, of times where this can work out. It can, but it ne- it requires you not being into them or you not being in love with them. If you are not in love with them, you can make it work. If you're in love with them, I recommend you cut them completely out of your life. Okay, why do they ghost when they have been talking? Why do they ghost who they have been talking to when they get into a relationship? Uh, because they've just been fishing the whole time. Like I said, they've not been, you know, investing too much emotion. They've been putting all these like lines out there. Then they actually find someone that they're into. They don't give a flying fuck about everyone else. Bang, you're ghosted. They, to them, unfortunately, there wasn't a real important connection, even though it might've felt that way. If they're willing to ghost you, you have to understand that to them, something else is more important. It might be this person. And they're obviously selfish people at the end of the day, because they don't, think maybe I should let this person know what's happening or maybe I should even if I don't want to say I'm seeing somebody maybe they should say look maybe we should you know taper off and just be friends or whatever but have some sort of indication that it's going to be ending okay what if I'm the one ghosting we matched on tinder I ghosted them on text and then I saw them in real person and thought hello okay so if you genuinely want to have a go with this person after you've ghosted them you've got to understand and own your behavior it was not fair what you did and that person probably has zero interest in you now or zero interest in trying with you again at the very least so what i would do the best thing you can do is acknowledge your behavior if you want them to respect you if you acknowledge it they will at least know that you're not oblivious to to how disrespectful you were of them and of their time that they invested in messaging you and thinking about you. If you act like nothing happened, then you look like a dickhead, okay? You look like a bit of a player. So my recommendation would be you'd message them and be like, hey, I'm really sorry for not replying that time. I apologize for that. That wasn't cool. I would really like to start up a conversation again with you would you be interested in meeting me something like that but acknowledge what you did do not 
slide into the Disney and hey, worst thing you can do, worst thing you can do that makes you a serial ghoster. Okay, now how to cut people off without ghosting them. Tell them. I don't know. Like tell them. Send them a message and say, listen, I can't like I whatever. If you know, if it's too difficult speaking about it, I know a lot of people get like kind of um, stuck talking about it. They feel really terrified. Fine, write them a full on letter, and email it to them, text it to them, whatever. But I think it's important that you let this person know. And you don't have to go into so much detail, but it is important that you let them know that you have no more intentions of moving forward. A lot of people feel more comfortable giving detail because they feel that it shows that they care and that's up to you. But at the very least, you let them know that, you know, it it has to end for whatever reason. It's up to you. Okay, someone asked, what specific scenarios warrant wanting closure from being ghosted? None. There are no scenarios where where you should be seeking out communication from this person. They've just shown you that they are the worst communicator in the world. So what are the chances that they're going to give you good closure other than I oh, I had to put myself, my needs, my wants above yours and I actually didn't care about your feelings at all really because anyone with like true, true remorse, if they had a connection with somebody, they would give a fuck, okay? This person obviously doesn't. So I don't think – there's nothing wrong with calling somebody out, mind you. I don't, I'm all for calling people out. I'm not saying if someone goes to you, you can never message them again. But if you message them, it should be to call them out and to not, not um, spark up another conversation. It should be a one-ended mes- like message where you're not expecting a response. If they respond, that's all well and good. But it's one where it's kind of a closed-off statement saying, you need to be aware of your actions because this is what you're causing, this is what you did, this is what you blah, 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 blah. Good luck with the rest of your life, whatever. Don't ask questions in it. Call them out. I'm all for calling people out. If you don't want to call them out, you should never be messaging them again. Now, this one, really important. It says, moving past the shame. You should never feel shame when somebody ghosts you. Shame is a very, very, very low emotion and should be reserved for when your actions have caused pain or damage to somebody else. Okay, that's the only time you should feel shame when you have hurt someone through your actions or through your words. Okay, then you can feel shame, then you can feel remorse, and then you can be apologizing. It should never be felt for something that was done to you ever. There are many people, and there's even cultures that have a very fucked up perception of what shame is. But once you can identify what it is, you're less likely to indulge in these feelings. So don't think that when someone hurts you and whatever, it's shameful or it's embarrassing. That is ridiculous. And that is a very like very um, self-sabotaging mentality to get into. What you need to be realizing is that is not something you should be shameful of because you had no control over what was done at all. Okay. So if anything, you can pity them. That's it. Oh, you poor thing. You poor fucking thing. You've got shit to work through. All the best in your future. Au revoir, bonsoir. Okay, that's what you want to be feeling. No shame. There is no shame when somebody does something to you. Ever, ever, ever. Repeat that. Have it written down. I never want you, my beans, feeling shame when somebody has hurt you. That is the last thing I ever want any of you to feel. That is horrible. And get that idea out of your head immediately. Okay, reserve it for when you fucked up, not when someone else has fucked up. Now, this one I got a few of. Employers not contacting you. Um, That's not really ghosting. Is it unprofessional? Yes. Is it rude? Yes. 
I think that if you've interviewed and you've done this whole thing and then they don't reach out to you, I wouldn't consider that ghosting. You've not engaged in an emotional interaction with these people. This is very professional and they've just been unprofessional. So I wouldn't consider that ghosting. All right, now, should you call someone out for ghosting? So look, like I said, I'm all for calling people out, but you've got to be very aware of your intentions behind calling them out. Is it so they start contacting you again? Because if that is your intention, then no, you should not be calling them out. If you want to call them out so there's the slim chance that they don't do it to some other poor victim, 100% call them out. Um, But every time you message somebody, you always have to realize that there's like three possibilities that come with it. A positive answer, a negative answer, and no answer at all, okay? So when you send someone a message for calling them out, for treating you like shit. You want to have that intention, that knowledge in your mind of like, no matter what the three responses are, I still feel the same emotions sending this. And that is to call that person out. Whether they slam me, whether they never talk to me again, or whether they respond really positively, I want nothing out of this other than for them to be aware of their behavior. If that is how you're feeling, fucking call them out. Perfect. And then lastly, this question, why do I ghost people when the other person becomes too attached? So this comes down with the fact that either you're just absolutely not into them and you saw this as just like a fun casual thing, which is totally acceptable as long as you make that clear to the other person or B, you've tried to, you know, show emotion and attachment, but you're just not wanting to connect with this person. Both of those things are showing that you don't want to become vulnerable and you don't want to open up to this person to that extent. You don't want to invest emotion and time and feelings into this person, okay? That is fine as long as you let that person know about it. I'm all for people who want to have a casual thing, a casual whatever. You do you, uh, whatever. I'm not going to, that's great. But the other person has to be on the same page as you or at least aware where you're coming from. If you're going to ghost these people and tap out, it's actually bad for those people, but it's also bad for you because it desensitizes you into thinking what's acceptable in how you treat people and what's not. If you start thinking it's acceptable to ghost somebody who's done nothing wrong when there's already been like a kind of emotional interaction with this person, then you're going to get quite desensitized and you're going to start treating other people less than what they deserve in the future, including in your future relationships. So you need to be very careful and pay attention with how you treat people and ask yourself, would this be okay if they did it to me? The answer is no, it would not be okay. So if you are in that situation, understand that you are avoiding conflict. You're avoiding you know, having that difficult conversation. You are an avoider, essentially. So you need to change that. And even if you don't want to talk about it, like I said before, you need to write them a message and say, listen, X, Y, Z, you're great, you're whatever, whatever you want to say, but this cannot go any further because of whatever. I hope you can respect that. And I do apologize for hurting you. That's all you can do. But what I can tell you is that never is that conversation a fun conversation to have. It's not fun. But You need to treat people with respect if you want people to respect you. You need to treat people with respect if you want to respect yourself, okay? So you always treat people the way you want to treat yourself and the way you want them to treat you. There is no other alternative to that. So unless they have been absolutely horrible and toxic and you need to get the fuck away and they deserve to be ghosted because it's it's for your mental health or your safety, if it doesn't fall into that criteria, then you need to explain to them why it is that you're leaving. Okay, guys, that is all for today. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got something out of it. And if you know someone that's been ghosted, send them this 
podcast hopefully will help them wrap their head around the fact that it's really got to do with the ghoster and not themselves um yes that is all very excited i'll keep you guys updated also when the book is coming out but i did have a bunch of you listeners who are not from australia wanting to order the book and i did share a link on my instagram but apparently that one's only for australia so um, that one was, I think, Booktopia, which is just Australia. But if you go into the bookdepository.com, they ship um, around the world as well. But I'll be putting up the link on the Facebook group as well for that book when it does come out. You can pre-order it. Everyone's been pre-ordering it. It's coming out in like three weeks now. Um, and I'll have that one on my Instagram as well. Guys, you are amazing. I love you all so much. Please keep sharing the podcast like you do. I love it. The DMs, I don't get to reply to them all, but I try and read them all and they're so beautiful. Thank you so much. So go on and have a beautiful week. Um, yeah, live your best life, my beans. Don't take shit from anybody. Don't take shit from yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brains. Danke.